I have lost faith in the journalistic integrity of most of the media today because there is none. Just about everything is agenda-driven, and one has to think traditional journalistic standards of objectivity are not even taught in the schools anymore. Hello, and welcome to Conversations with My Conservative Dead Father, a podcast of the exact email exchanges my father and I had about politics the year before he died. I'm your host, Jonathan Grossman. And I'm your co-host, Michael Grossman. Yes, an AI-generated voice. By the way, Jonathan, couldn't you make me sound any younger? Why clone my voice from when I was in my mid-70s? Pops, the only recordings I had were from your VO class from 2012, and quite frankly, the fidelity was pretty crappy. You're lucky to sound this good. That coming from the guy who isn't disembodied from his voice. Son, I'll concede on this one, but you might be in over your head on this episode. Okay, we'll let the listeners decide. On today's episode, we ask the question, can we trust the media's reporting on politics or on anything for that matter? How do we know what is truth and what is spin? Recently, I started using a browser extension called Ground News, which can let you know the bias of the article you're reading. It can be helpful to know if the publisher normally leans left, center, or right. It can also direct you to multiple sources on the same news report so you can see how different sides are reporting on it. One thing before we start. In this episode, you really start to hear how Pops could get a bit of an attitude when I didn't do my homework and was being lazy with my arguments. Or maybe he didn't sleep well the night before. He was 82 at the time of these discussions, so he gets a pass for that. Either way, the minute I tried to needle him, he came back with some snark. And frankly, I didn't blame him. He was doing his homework and wanted me to meet him there. But as you'll also hear, he doesn't throw the liberal media under the bus without tossing conservative rags in there as well. He was tough, but fair. At the top, I referred to a New York Times article from Friday, June 12, 2020, about the Trump administration's rolling back of Obama-era health protections for transgender patients. Here's the quote from the article. The Trump administration today proposed to scrap an Obama-era policy that prohibited health care providers from discriminating against transgender patients in its latest rollback of federal protections for transgender people. The health department's proposed rule, a rewrite of Obamacare regulation that bars health care discrimination based on sex, would also strike down protections for LGBTQ patients. So, This is where the conversation started. Let's stir the pot. Okay, Pops, please Trump-splain this article for me. How is this ethical? Be careful. I'm painting you in a hole here, given that your gay grandson has transgender friends and has openly told you he hopes to be a class-action lawyer for LGBTQ plus rights. And remember... I still love you even though you're voting for the, I mean, Trump. Just like you still love me and my bleeding heart liberal ways. I trust your intention is to seek clarity, which I admire. Something very few people who call themselves liberals seek these days. If I believed it was simply to paint me in a hole, I would simply ignore you. If that article came from the New York Times that I subscribed to when I was in junior high school, I would be seriously disturbed by it. 
but I cannot lend much credence to almost anything the New York Times writes about President Trump. Nor would I give any more credence to an article on the same topic put out by the Washington Times or any other conservative rag. Need I explain? It is why I like to seek primary sources wherever possible. I have lost faith in the journalistic integrity of most of the media today because there is none. Just about everything is agenda-driven, and one has to think traditional journalistic standards of objectivity are not even taught in the schools anymore. I'm somewhat surprised that you submit this article in support of your position. I know you like to needle, but this is really a new low. <laughs> Ouch. What, for instance, is the relevance of the photo of the empty gurneys? Moreover, in what way is that picture explained or even relevant to the text accompanying it? I truly hope you are not under the impression that the article is written from a neutral point of view. I give it about as much credence as you would give to my citation of a report from Fox News. Unfortunately, the high standards of the, quote, newspaper of record have long since been jettisoned in favor of a more agenda-driven point of view. Seems they traded in the motto, all the news that's fit to print. For the alternative, all the opinion that fits our agenda we print. The New York Times recently forced the resignation of an op-ed editor who had the audacity to allow a piece to appear on the op-ed page that was written by a conservative congressman. The excuse for the removal was it did not meet standards. In fact, the blowback was all about an opinion that did not adhere to the strict party line. The op-ed page. That was supposedly designed to be the space for diverse views on subjects. Even the name indicates what it was supposed to be, opposing editorial. But I'm sure you knew all this. Please help me out here with some better source than the New York Times or the Washington Post, etc. See if you can find the text of the regulation being repealed and the text of the repealing regulation. Well, I'm pretty satisfied with this report. Politico reported a similar story with the same details. With regard to the op-ed guy who got fired, I think you're referring to James Bennett, the editorial director at the New York Times, who resigned over the controversy following the op-ed by Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton, who suggested we call in the troops as a backup to police if they are overwhelmed during protests. That one pushed a lot of buttons. I do agree that op-ed should allow for opposing views, but op-ed still has to work within the parameters of its viewers and paid subscribers. If that weren't the case, Fox News would cease to exist. Isn't that an op-ed station after all? That said, I'll look into some more details. But this is hardly a mystery, Pops. Even you can concede that rolling back socially liberal ideas from the Obama era, from the guy who says there were very good people on both sides of the Charlottesville demonstration, this isn't a stretch. Trump isn't all bad, but he does dabble in the socially conservative arena. He doesn't just dabble. He is conservative on most matters. He doesn't hide it, doesn't sugarcoat it, sometimes to his detriment and seems to follow through on his promises. So, sure, if you're not conservative, you are going to disagree with most of his agenda. What I find objectionable is not disagreement with the policies, but the deep-rooted hatred that lurks in his critics. The same people who were critical of the hatred expressed toward Obama by his opposition. I'm sure you are satisfied with the New York Times report. You would not have cited it, were you not. 
I just wanted to let you know why I no longer trust the objectivity of the New York Times. I would be interested to see if the New York Times has written any articles that are not critical of Trump. I'll give them a pass for 100% negative in the editorials because editorials are supposed to be opinions. But news is supposed to be free from the taint of opinion, to the extent that is possible. We're off topic. The topic is, do you agree with the Trump admin's agenda, if it's true, which it is, that they will roll back the Obama protections for transgender patients? Well, I am opposed to discrimination in any form that limits or denies access to health care to any group of people other than those illegally in this country. That is how I feel about it. Sorry, I thought we were exchanging points of view. Did not realize that my response to something peripherally related to the question was out of bounds off topic. Okay, I will stick to the main topic, which is really an unstated issue that was obliquely referred to in jest by you. We have diametrically opposed views on many political issues. I am not going to change your mind on anything and have no interest in trying to. I respect your right to your political opinions. So you are a bleeding-heart liberal. Words I have never used in reference to you. And I am an evil, selfish, bigoted conservative. Gotta just drop in here for a sec. I wanted to retain the integrity of these emails, but I feel it's necessary to say that Pops was just instigating here. He is most definitely not an evil, selfish, bigoted conservative in the same way that I'm not truly a bleeding-heart liberal. For those of you who are just getting to know him here, this is worth noting. For Christ's sake, Jonathan, do you really have to spell it out for them? These listeners are not idiots. Can we just get back to what I actually said? Copy that. All right, let's get back to it. I accept the political report to be more balanced and will assume the statements about the regs are accurate and true. Yes, I am concerned about any part of the rollback that will diminish the access to health care for anybody legally in this country. What I do agree with in that regulation is relaxation of a requirement to provide foreign language services and provide written materials in 15 different languages. I am unashamedly in favor of having one unifying language. But there I go again. Off topic. Back on topic. Yes, it disappoints me that there could be discrimination in health care access for anyone legally in this country, which would include foreign citizens who have visas or other permits to be here legally. I think the issue that remains is what would you have me do about my disagreement on that topic? Would it prevent me from voting for Trump if the alternative is Biden? Absolutely not. And to those of you already committed to voting for Biden, I would urge you to think carefully about his choice of vice president. Odds are that person will wind up being president. I do find it sad that most of our elections come down to a choice based on the lesser of evils. Oops, there I go again off topic. Pardon me. Frankly, I'm not sure why we don't have AI translating rather than wasting time on printed materials. While I agree that the method is a huge waste, having multiple languages available for patients feels right. Almost every other country in the world speaks English. Seems like we can at least return the gesture with AI translation services. Listen, Biden isn't any goldmine of goodness for the Democrats, and he'll probably do some harm to the party 
and country with missteps in communication and being out of touch with much of the younger population. However, he comes from a place of inclusivity and compassion. This is the fundamental difference. Trump supporters are willing to overlook his ignorance, racism, selfishness, corrupt business practices, and myopic world perspective in exchange for his tax breaks, business benefits, and American imperialism. Biden folks are willing to weather the storm by having a 21st century Gerald Ford-esque buffoon in order to avoid further humiliation by being represented by Trump. I totally see your reasons for supporting Trump. Frankly, I'm in awe of your ability to parse out his exceptionally egregious behaviors in order to harvest the benefits of his administration. For me, he takes it too far. His means for achieving his goals are the antithesis of everything I stand for. Not that I disagree with everything he says, but I do disagree with just about every method he uses to achieve his goals. He's a bully, lowbrow, mocks people like a six-year-old, rants like a manic, consistently lies and bends the truth. Most politicians suck. They lie, cheat, steal. He has just completely broken the curve. Will Biden be better for the country? Will Kamala Harris be better as a VP? Who knows if better, but definitely not worse. Trump, on the other hand, has underperformed yet again in his job and should not be rewarded with another term. If inclusion and compassion means tolerating unruly, destructive, dangerous mobs, I'm not interested in that kind of inclusiveness. If the occupation of parts of cities or states as faux-independent duchies is looked up on as a summer of love, include me out. Ask the shopkeepers and residents of Chaz how they feel about this summer of love. Imagine how you might feel if it was Del Rey instead of Seattle. If inclusion means the rewriting of history to atone, read that as appease. For America's past, include me out. Terrible things were done in the past that were judged by different standards of the time. Some countries continue to live with those standards. The United States has evolved in a positive direction— jettisoned those standards, and done something to change from the past. Fact is, the United States has done far more good than harm in the world than any other country on Earth. How about a little pride instead of world apology tours and misguided guilt, shame, and revision? Shall I go on? Buffoonery. How about Carter? Corruption. How about the Clintons? Biden, China, Pelosi, and on and on. Unfortunately, the very nature of politics attracts the lowest common denominator and invites corruption. Yeah, you've mentioned that before. Any suggestions on how to improve this or what to change? Sure. We need to make one major change in our political system. Just one. It will at least minimize their undesirable aspects. That change is remove the profit motive. Next in importance would be to abolish politics as a career and make public office a part-time occupation with strict term limits, and no bullshit loopholes like terming out in one office and then running for a different one, for example. Terming out in the Senate and then running for a seat in the House. Let's elevate the motive of public service. Right now, political office is seen as a path to not only power but wealth. Remove the incentive of personal wealth and see what happens. I am not advocating for voluntary unpaid public service because that would exclude many people who must have a source of income in order to live and support a family. Only the most wealthy could then afford public office. 
but I am saying stop making politics a pathway to personal riches. I do have some suggested reforms which would help, and I am sure you do too. As for inclusion, tell me where the liberals support inclusion when it comes to diversity of political views. Our entire educational system is made up of liberals who have done everything in their power to exclude conservatives on staff or allowed on campuses to deliver speeches or seminars that would include views that differ from the liberal agenda. In other words, a clear destruction of the very essence of liberal education to explore the full range of human understanding. Of course, a lot of this boils down to which of two evils you consider the lesser, and in my case, it is pretty easy to shun the liberal side almost without exception. Not because I oppose every idea or principle, but because of the heavy load of undesirable baggage that comes with it. Can you honestly tell me you like the direction the Democrat Party has taken? Is that your idea of inclusion and compassion? Welcome to Newspeak. In reference to your stating Biden isn't any goldmine of goodness for the Democrats, does that mean you are willing to overlook or forgive his dealings with China? Is that a mere misstep in communication? Please address this question other than a retort with relative morality. In other words, just saying that so-and-so has done the same elsewhere. The short answer is yes. I'm willing to withhold judgment on his alleged dealings with China until it's proven that there was wrongdoing. If there are shady business dealings with China, then Biden should be held accountable. Until then, I'll assume innocent until proven guilty and move right along. Let me get back to something you brought up. You say you're opposed to the requirement to provide foreign language services and provide written materials in 15 different languages. And your contention is that you support a single unifying language. Almost every other country in the world speaks English. It seems like we could at least return the gesture with AI translation services. This is going to sound ironic coming from an AI voice. But this is how I feel. Wow, that's quite a formula for fairness. So each of 190 other countries use English as a second language theoretically means we should return the favor and embrace more than a hundred other languages? Hardly seems fair at all. Even using AI comes at a substantial cost. And while it feels good, which is always the touchstone of today's liberal thinking, it really ignores economy and feasibility. I think a common language is what unifies a nation and enables us to communicate with each other. The best way to learn a foreign language is immersion. By constantly providing foreign language translations, it discourages people from learning English. I do not think that is in our national best interest. And that concludes our second episode of Conversations with My Conservative Dead Father. Please leave a comment, let me know what you think, and be sure to follow the show. It really does help. Conversations with My Conservative Dead Father is hosted by Jonathan Grossman and me, Michael Grossman. The show is produced and recorded by Night Shift Audio, AI-generated voice and voice cloning by the Play HT engine. Main title music by Dogwood Moon. Please encourage everyone to have conversations with people of varying points of view. Listen, learn, and most importantly, keep an open heart and an open mind. Thanks for listening.